This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer it's amandine insightful commentary and wisdom is kindled welcome back to light the beacons a lotro podcast that also dabbles in books movies gaming and the lore of ronald this is episode number 67 and i'm your host brag of the lonely mountain the sultan of shield swipe the earl of agro salvager of lost dreams and dwarf of ill repute broadcasting live from temporary ltb newhq at the Three Pharaohs Crafting Hall in Bree. I've been spending a lot of time here lately, what with all the daily rep item grinding from the wastes. So I thought I would take a look around. Uh, This place is busy as always. If there's a more well-known craft hall in the game, I don't know what it is. Um, This is an expansive settlement, first of all. Bree seriously took their crafting. You know, the building is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, I think. Um... It is festooned with maroon drapery uh, that has the emblem of the boar upon it. The study area has a nice little carpet and easy Adirondack chairs with a nice little cheery fire going for your studying. The cook's cook's area is well supplied. There are two forges, uh, at least four chimneys in here. The place should be a little smokier by all rights, I'm certain. Uh, the workbenches are pretty basic, although they were changed to superior workbenches a number of releases ago, just for convenience sake. And there is a concert going on here. Grumbly, Hope for the Hopeless in the Alliance, is playing his lute for us. Shall we listen in momentarily? Nope, can't hear it. Okay. Uh, trust me, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing, and there are people witnessing the concert, which is great. And, uh, like I said, been cycling all through my alts here. If you guys know Three Pharaohs Crafting Hall, um, you probably, if you use it regularly, you probably have already procured the Layla's Market Port, which you can buy, I think, for two Mithril Coins, I believe, uh, which will get you to the doorway across the Boar's Fountain from the Crafting Hall. It's the quickest way to get to the Crafting Hall on a frequent basis. And uh, I think I have procured, I have purchased that port for most of my tunes at this point in time um you know some of them already had obviously return to Bree skills and so forth but i think i got the layla's one anyway uh just to have another option in uh, in most cases i do recommend it and i'm gonna talk a little bit more about the crafting hall here and uh, one or two of my tunes that have been spending quite a bit of time here a little later in the podcast in a very special segment but I want that to be a surprise for now, so we had better move on to our next beacon. Elanoch, let's review the agenda. First, we've got a lot of CRAP corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out, we offended Cordovan, Battlefront PvPers, Squarunk Speedrunners. Yes, that's a thing. Slag, call inst- Slag Hill Instant Coffee Drinkers, 10th Anniversary Party Poopers, and a surly, bare-chested dwarf RK, aptly named Get My Rocks Off. Rock spelled R-O-X, of course. And to all of those that were offended, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Uh, viewer comments. Agree to disagree. Let's check the leaderboard. That means the last review of the podcast was left by No Nicknames Allowed on March 9th of 2017, and he currently has our high score. If you want to join this illustrious vacuum of reviewers, then please, by all means, continue to do absolutely nothing. I did get some listener feedback this past week from Grizzled Lion. Thank you for writing in, Grizzled. His comment, I enjoyed hearing about your love affair with Lotro and how it began. My own was more flirtatious at first, but ended up much the same as yours. I don't know that I know every nook and cranny of Moria, though. 
Good luck and have fun. Great podcast. Thank you so much, Grizzled Lion, for writing in. I really do very much appreciate it. What's been going on out in the Twitter sphere? Uh, so, the Twitter sphere is how I learned the exciting news that Chance Thomas is returning to Lotro for the Mortar expansion, something that had been long suspected. Uh, he'd been kind of hinting around the bushes at it for several weeks while they finalized the contracts. He came on Cordovan's stream this past week and made the announcement. He gave a few tantalizing details about some of the inspirations coming out of Mordor, some of the artwork he had seen, some of the themes that were formulating in his mind. And I can't tell you how excited I am about this. Um, you know, I will say that the music after the Rohan expansion... Uh, was decent. It was better than I expected with uh, some of the in-house musicians that they used, but it's not quite the same as uh, someone of Chance's uh, background and experience uh, and his uh, full command of uh, all the orchestral parts that can make up such an exciting piece. Uh, the possibility for musical themes in Mordor are so exciting. It's definitely a far cry from the happy pan pipes of the Shire or the dulcimer of Rohan. But you know that he is up for the challenge. So I expect some percussion gymnastics, think war drums, some iconic bassoon play, maybe an off-the-tune harpsichord, uh, imagination run wild. And I would love it if they had in the background some ethereal, atmospheric, uh, twisted, demented uh, woman whispering like they did in Angmar. <sighs> that stuff was great. <laughs> just enough to set the uh, hairs on the back of your arms uh, a little bit off tune. And, of course, the Pigborn should play a central role in all things Mordor uh, for all of you those out there who love that instrument. Tremendously underused, of course. Let's talk about, let me see, in Community Spotlight, I wanted to uh, mention something that's been out there for quite some time uh, that I only recently got around to reading. And uh, given Bragg's... Uh, you know, ancestry, it's surprising it took me quite this long. The Annals of the Dwarves by the Duaro Scholar. And at 150 or so pages, it was quite the exercise to get through it. It's uh, very interesting how he wove uh, both book fact and in-game references and put them into specific time periods in the lore that he created and kind of wove them together. Uh, for example, the very first building of Gable Zather, and what clan did it, and what it was motivated by, and uh, who were the kings of the time, and what happened to it over time. You know, some of these things were done so skillfully that you can't always tell what came from what source, which is a little bit of a blessing and a curse. Uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate the in-game lore, and I love how it was woven together, but I prefer to kind of know for sure whether it was from the original books or not. You know, in some cases, the difference is very fine. You know, some of the inspirations for the places in the games obviously came out of you know, mere mentions in the books or, you know, in some of the Lost Tales or in the appendices or whatever the case may be. Still, in all, in all um, you do come away with the impression that uh, the dwarves have as deep and troubled a history as any race in Middle-earth. And given how much men and elves have suffered over the millennia, that is saying a lot. So I enjoyed very much um, the Annals of the Dwarves by the Duero Scholar. Recommended highly for all you lore buffs out there. Uh, also, Andang released a PVMP revamp video this past week where he was uh, giving some of his thoughts about what could revamp PVMP <coughs> and looking for some ideas from the community to write in as well. So I did respond to his post and I'll read what I wrote here. I like Andang's idea about mitigating the armor stats in some way so that rebalancing does not need to happen after every release as clearly the dev team does not have time for that. I don't like the idea of losing all the stats my freeps grind so hard for, but it's better than not playing at all due to imbalance. I also agree that cross-map impacts and buffs should be changed to motivate objective-based play. Uh, when I mean objective-based play, meaning there's strategic advantage in going to get this keep or to going into us Gilead and clearing out this section or stealing a flag from this stronghold, etc. Um, you know, most of all, uh, the objective-based play, uh, f you know, and most of all, I would say, uh, what I would encourage is find ways to encourage grouping, which should be the heart of PM PVMP. In my experience, at least recently, 
there's too many solo players out there um, as very few like to lead the groups or feel confident leading the groups or want to go through the trouble or responsibility of leading the groups, especially on creep side. You know, maybe a raid leader could be compensated with greater renown. Uh, the more people are in his group to motivate more grouping and group members also gain more renown or commendations than when soloing. So it's more rewarding to be in a group to motivate grouping. The more grouping there is, the less the imbalance of 1v1s matter, in my uh, opinion. You know, so what if, uh, you know, if uh, one creep can solo three creeps? You know, if you have a 15 on 15, everyone's getting lots of action and there's stuff all over the place. And who cares at that point? It's a lot, lot less impactful. Uh, lastly, here's an idea to motivate more PVMP play overall. And this is my idea that I wanted to pose out there for the community. Let me know what you think about it. Um, my idea is to make Audacity a sixth virtue slot that actually benefits your character in PVE as well. So let me repeat that again. Create a sixth virtue slot where your audacity rating in the Moors um, impacts your, um, I'm sorry, your rank, make rank a sixth virtue slot that actually benefits your character in PVE as well. Um, so that as you rank, you know, the highest ranking tune you have as a freep or as a creep, um, you know, gains you gain PVE advantage by slotting that into a sixth virtue slot. Not not a big impact, not a game changing impact, but just enough for completionists and hardcore players to want to work at maxing it over time. Um, so if you know rank is introduced as a virtue slot, you could make it have impacts kind of cross like almost like finesse or something along those lines. You know, a slight stat buff that occurs. And, you know, it makes sense. The more uh, accomplished you are in the war of the Etten Moors, the more accomplished your character should be overall in terms of his ability to handle PvE challenges. So I think that works. I think it motivates people to get out there and uh, grind rank on characters. And uh, something perhaps the dev could think about for a future release. Uh, that's all I have for Andang's PvMP ideas revamp video. I like some of the ideas in there. And uh, anything that lessens the burden on the devs while creating greater balance and grouping uh, and play, of course, are all good. Uh, Forums Insider Downtime was announced for release 20.1.2, and it just came out today. So the preliminary release notes that are out there are as follows. Uh, first of all, the Lotro store will once again open in an in-game browser, which I've been waiting for. It's been quite some time that it opened in an external window. Um, not for the Mac client yet, though. They're still coming around with that. And last, uh, next, related to that, they made an option in the options uh, window where you can specify whether you like it to be in-game or out-of-game, which is nice. I prefer in-game, but maybe some others like the, uh, the external window for whatever reason. Uh, Barrett Guldur is replacing Flight to the Mountain as the feature Flight to the Lonely Mountain as the featured instance raid. So it will be in the featured instance rotation instead of Lon uh, Flight to the Lonely Mountain, and we will be doing Barrett Guldur. Uh, so I like this because I like Barrett Guldur, and it's not run enough. Although it is a very long instance, uh, hopefully on tier one with a full raid, not so much anymore. Uh, I know that there were. I'm thinking what's motivating this is that there have been some problems with the Lonely Mountain uh, instance. And uh, they were illustrated by a run I did with uh, a pug last, uh, just in this past week. So I'd never run into this before. But apparently, if um, at the very beginning of the instance, when you run out to the center of the river and Brand is shot down by arrows, um, you know, an initial group of four Easterlings appears. And if they are attacked by people that are standing in the water... Uh, when they die, they will bug out, and the horn will not sound, and the countdown timer will not appear that signals the different waves that are coming in the instance. And we had this happen three, four times where the pug leader was like, get out of the water. Everybody out of the water before you attack. And finally, uh, everyone got the message. I'd never had that bug out before, so I don't know if that's a new thing or if I'd just never been in a group where, you know, usually if you're a melee character, you're running forward to... You know, to attack them anyway uh, makes sense to be on the far bank when they come out. I don't know. Maybe I just never ran into it before. 
But uh, that was causing the instance to bug out. We'd have to ungroup and start over again. And we did it three or four times before we finally got the thing triggered and everyone understood what needed to happen. So that could be part of what's motivating the raid change. The second one could be that uh, people are complaining, it is boring. It is kind of boring on Tier 1, sitting around waiting for the next wave to come. There's like four waves, I think, in all in all. And uh, they take about... You know, and tier one, they take about, uh, you know, five seconds to clear now. And then you've got uh, about a minute and a half of waiting time for the next wave to come. Uh, so tier one is boring. And tier two is almost impossible to pug because you actually have to pay attention to priority targeting depending on the makeup of the waves. And not a lot of leaders know what that priority tar targeting is. Not a lot of pugs pay attention to it anyway. So tier two, um, very, very difficult to pug. And I've never seen, never seen anyone calling for it in pugs anymore anyway, which is a shame. Um, so you would think they could get something in the middle. Between tier one and tier two, somewhere there's you know a somewhat challenging instance, which doesn't take a uh, ridiculous amount of coordination, but uh, doesn't have people standing around for 90% of the time in the instance doing nothing. Uh, next, uh, in the release notes, the 10th anniversary Dragon Firework now stays visible longer so it can complete its animation. And I have not seen it yet. I'll have to go and test it later, uh, but that's a good thing. Uh, most interestingly, they've been doing a lot of back-end work on rating contribution calculations to allow them to prepare for the Mordor expansion since they're going to have a level cap increase. So these changes are supposed to make it easier for them to maintain stat changes and their impact on stats over the ratings over time. Uh, so things like finesse, block, parry, evade, critical chance, critical defense, mitigations, masteries, and resistance. Um, they say that the changes should have relatively little effect on your current stats, but it makes them easier to update and manage going forward. Uh, but one thing that is changing is that the stat contributions from Vitality for non-tank classes is increasing. So basically, you should see morale increases for lore masters, minstrels, and rune keepers, and to a le lesser extent, uh, hunters and or burglars um, receive slightly more morale points uh, per point of vitality that you have. So most of those should be going up slightly. Uh, light armor classes are getting one extra point and uh, per vitality point. Uh, going to four points of uh, morale instead of, I think it was three previously. And heavy armor classes, uh, champion and captain are getting, and burglar are getting four and a half points of morale for each point of vitality, up from three. Uh, the tanks already get five. So we should get a little morale buff for the light armor classes and for the burglars. And of course, the light armor classes seriously need those extra morale points. I think I saw a Mistral running around uh, in a, my group the other day that had 70k unbuffed morale in a Squarunk instance. And, you know, my poor little guard sitting there at a measly 56, I, I offered, I said, hey, do you want a tank? You clearly you know, seem to be more prepared for it than I am. And, you know, that is uh, one of the unfortunate aspects of the essence grind and, and one of the most popular builds for minstrels right now uh, morale heavy minstrel build which uh, is, seems to be getting a bit out of control I'm not sure that's what the devs intended with it lastly they have a anniversary reward barter coming back in green Bree that's going to be here for the entirety of the uh, scavenger hunt for the tokens that we're earning for that and uh, if you're going into Lothlorien now and you're on a scavenger hunt quest, the hidden rope should now appear for you, so that should help that. And lately there was a treasure cache in North Athelion that was buried under rock that people couldn't reach, and they're fixing it. And I don't know which one that is because I was able to complete that deed uh, before this fix, so I'm not sure. Maybe I used... Uh, um, select nearest item targeting uh, to be able to do it based on the coordinates, but uh, I don't remember having an issue with it. So for those of you that have, though, apparently it's getting fixed. So in this week's action-packed episode, we're going to, as always, talk a little bit about what we've been, been doing in-game these past few weeks. Uh, we're going to do a first installment of a new segment called Class Skill Highlights. We have a special ode to crafting alts, which will be singing to you later and lastly as always if we have any time remaining we will provide the precise technical de detail settings and uh game modifications that will allow turbine to eradicate all lag from the game forever but if we want to have time for that we better get moving so let's go to our next beacon <laughs>
This week in gaming or other Tolkien news, Nardal is aflame. Other games, what have been playing out there? So I still have Pokemon Go on my phone, and I know long after most people have erased it and forgotten about it. But I did reach level 25 this week. <laughs> Given how much I play, yeah, it took some time. Uh, but it was one milestone I wanted, and the other one was to evolve a Pikachu, which I finally got the last one I needed captured to do that in order to get, I think, what's a Rikachu. And, uh, yeah, can't picture wanting to accomplish much more with Pokemon Go going forward in the future. But, uh, you know, fills a niche when I've got nothing else to do and sitting on my phone uh, waiting for nobody. Uh, what else has been going on? So Clash of Clans had a new expansion across the waters that came out this past week. They've been hinting at it for a few weeks with some cartoons and a little boat that had washed up on the shore of your... Uh, of your settlement there and uh, the new expansion just hit this past week and what it is essentially is a whole brand new game board to play on to build up uh, a new settlement in a new area with completely different building blocks completely different defensive actions uh, uh, slightly different troops as far as abilities are concerned and uh, to basically advance it as you did before uh, with some new achievements and unlocks available and eventually there are some carryovers if you build that base enough where you can get advantages to your main base back across the waters that you can uh, that you can build out so it's kind of new it's kind of fresh it's kind of different um, it motivates small sessions of gameplay until you achieve an objective and then taking a break and uh, of course there's more ways to spend gems which is their business model but uh, kind of fun and different, um, changing things up, uh, bold to kind of add a whole new element to the game and continue to expand it over time. So continuing to be entertained by that. Uh, been continuing to play some anniversary Overwatch. There's a new anniversary content and maps that came out, although I haven't played any of the new maps yet. I'm not sure. i got to read up on this because uh, it says there's a bunch of new maps, but none of them come up in the, any of the gameplay I've done. So they might be pending or they might be in one of the arcade games I haven't seen yet. I uh, got back to Shadow of Mortar a little bit, and I killed a boss. Yay! And I finished a bow quest. Yay! So maybe I should actually pay attention to those experience ratings of the boss I'm attacking. So I figured out that 14, I can't kill. But a six, I can kill. So maybe I should actually look for some of the lower rated ones to start out until I gain a bit more experience. Uh, but here's the problem with the boss fights is it's always the ads. I could probably beat half these bosses, but as you're fighting them, ads run from all over the place. And suddenly you got a swarm of 20 guys around you. There's no room to move. Uh, there's no room to make you know adjustments. If you're attacking one guy, they'll come up behind you and hit you on the head. And, uh, you know, eventually you have to run away if you attract too many folks. So some, some of those are very difficult, I think, until I maybe level up some kind of AoE moves where I can uh, either knock them back or figure out how to isolate the bosses without uh, drawing all that attention. But playing it again a little bit and hoping to get back into it shortly. I did purchase a Humble Bundle this past week. I got six games for $6.50, including Dungeons 2 and Goat Simulator. So some of those, obviously, will be sitting in my queue doing nothing for quite some time. Uh, real quickly, movie review. Guardians came. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out a week or two ago, and I give it a solid three stars, mostly due to its humor and its soundtrack. Um, they did turn some of the characters from the first movie into actual people with some depth this time around. Nebula was a good ad, and I think Yandu's increased role was also good since uh, Michael Rooker's talents were kind of wasted in the initial. And uh, I enjoyed the nod to the original incarnation of the Guardians, which is uh, analogous to some of the some of the actual comics I had growing up, as opposed to the new versions. Plus, I always liked me some Kurt Russell and thought he was good in this role as well. So Guardians of the Galaxy 2, a nice good summer popcorn movie that met, met maybe not exceeded, but met expectations. And uh, the next one I'm looking forward to is Wonder Woman. Both reviews in my area uh, for the two major papers came out today, and they both rated it three and a half stars. I think it's going to be awesome. What's been on going on in Lotro? Well, the scavenger hunt has been moving right along. We're uh, in year seven right now. So I'd completed all the year six stuff. Um, when I went through year four and I did the skirmishes, I called for a group before every skirm, got no replies within a minute, went and did it solo. 
Year six, I completed. I enjoyed the tavern crawl through Rohan, uh, but I'll admit I had to look up where the mud was in Woodhurst. I had forgotten about that one, but uh, do recall that. Year seven is out right now, and of course the most difficult part of that is that uh, they make you do an emote to almost all the raid bosses in the game. So a lot of people going back and running underleveled raids. I haven't had the time to do those, uh, but I am moving forward with picking up Remembrances and one of the other quests, so should have that one done soon. And uh, if I want to be completionist, I'll have to start joining some of these raid groups uh, or doing them solo in order to emote to people like Durchest and the Mistress of Pestilence and Thorog and the Watcher and... Uh, Whoever else is out there, the Lieutenant of Dol Guldor, etc. And Cyroman atop the, the Tower of Orthanc, of course. Bragg is taking a back seat now, uh, aside from resource solo runs for bosses. Uh, I have one deed left in the wastes underneath the hills, and because uh, you had to kill 24 bosses. And I finished it up yesterday on two group runs that went very well. <clears throat> I have to do the fellow resource instance runs for the sigils. The drop rate on those, which was really good at first, now is not so good, so the RNG turning against me. I seem to get them, you know, at first I thought you were getting them maybe 75% of the time. I'm going to I'm gonna downgrade that to maybe 50% of the time now based on the last couple runs where I've done the last three or four runs. I think I've gotten one out of, unfortunately. Uh, but the run seems to be getting faster as people are getting better geared and understand the dynamics, you know, well, one or two things you have to watch out for, so that's good. Um, so here are the rewards that I think without uh, getting the gold jewelry, the stuff that's generally available from the three uh, weaponist, armor, and provisioner vendors that are in the camp of the host or Harandir. If you're a guard, you need the gold shield. No question about it. If you're a mini, you need the mini shield. If you're a burglar, you can get uh, an offhand weapon, a dirk, uh, which has some pretty awesome stats on it. I think the agility is like 355. And the lower master can get an offhand sword of the tactician, which is also pretty awesome. Uh, my champ is not high enough level, but his uh, getting the same offhand that the burglar gets or one that's in a different, uh, same stats but different format would also work. And if you're a warden, you'll want the shield. Um... Hunter can also use the offhand, but the people that are out of luck from that perspective appear to be the RK, the Cappy, or the Bjorning. Don't have any of those kind of general purpose items that they can get from those vendors. Um, they can, get, of course, get the jewelries that are available. There's a pocket item. There are bracelets, I think, and earrings, or maybe it's a necklace and, uh, and bracelets. No, and necklace and earrings, that's right. Um, but RK, Cappy, and Bjorning don't have any kind of class-specific gold item that they can pick up from there, so you might want to prioritize your tunes going through some of those uh, rep grinds appropriately. My mini is kindred with the Provisioners, has the ruined battle shield, and is celebrated with the host of the West, mostly through running tasks and uh, roving threats. Uh, which is nice when you get celebrated with the host of the West. You get 50 Lotro points. So that's second tune that achieved that, and I'm working on it for my captain. Um, the question is, do I want the other two vendor factions for the gold cape? So if you want the gold cape box, then you have to do uh, host of the West, as well as each of the three different provisioner vendors, uh, provisioner armor and master and weaponist, in order to get the gold cape box and at some point I might start doing that uh, going back with some of my tunes to do that but right now I'm uh, more focused on getting the class items for the guys that are at cap. Uh, my Cappy 105 the fashionable is working the wastes just punished off uh, Andoher's Ando Folly and that area and the quests that uh, pertain to the Wayne Riders there so how about this place I just I wanted to mention is there anyone else that has just a little more emphasis mashing the buttons to kill the orc torturers in that area? Or uh, when you're actually finally fighting the uh, the Thane of Screaming, uh, the blood letter? You know, there's just something about, you know, the, the I mean, they built a horrifying lore around this place. And if you take a look around what's going around, it's been pretty horrifying for quite some time. A couple millennia of people being slaughtered here. And I just enjoy killing orcs in this area more than any place else. Just a little extra, you know, 
revenge for the money, if you understand what I'm saying. And uh, the other thing of note with my Cappy this past week is I did when uh, featured instance with Sword Hall runs. I was doing them with everybody just so that because they're so quick, you almost can't not do it. But I had the fastest Sword Hall runs I'd ever had with my Cappy, a Burglar, and a Hunter. And the Burglar and Hunter were obviously well, very well geared. Uh, so the Burglar opened up with a backstab on the first Sorcerer. They came out of the gate uh, with a coup de grace for over 200k of damage, is what he told me. Now, my Burglar's never done a coup de grace that's more than, I think, 50 or 60 uh, so <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm that badly geared or if I just maybe haven't had the perfect RNG, uh, yet, but anyway, he killed the sorcerer with one hit and then, uh, we opened up on the Moraville, uh, I think the hunter hit him with a heart seeker for 90 K and it was dead in probably, so the, the, the sorcerer got one shot. The Morville came out and lasted maybe three or four seconds tops. Um, and then, you know, the last troll guy came out and he was dead in literally under 10 seconds. The whole run took maybe four or five minutes. And that's with two minutes of dialogue and 30 seconds in between each boss. The actual fight time between the three of them, uh, probably about 15 seconds total to kill all three of those bosses. So that was the fastest run I'd ever seen before. Uh, maybe you guys have experienced some that are similar. Uh, my lore master 105, I finally upgraded uh, his last two pieces of armor with flower pieces. He was wearing Nadine gear, which, you know, stat-wise isn't that big of an improvement, believe it or not. But you can put uh, tier 8 essences in the in the flower pieces as opposed to only having tier 7s on the Nadine gear. So, uh, so that was a nice upgrade and uh, completed getting the sword of the tactician on my lore master. Uh, so that feels good, too. My Berg has been weaponing up rep items, working on the offhand dagger. I need two more sigils from the group instance resource runs to get that for him. Hunter has been sitting in three hours crafting, word working up rep items. My Bjorning has been basically sitting idle, although I am starting to turn in tasks for him. Uh, I've been turning in tasks nowhere else to give Shattered Spears in except uh, out in Tor Druidan to get uh, Riders of Rohan rep. So I have one tune sitting there all the time just getting mailed spears from everybody and just trading it for rep, uh, grinding Lotro points and getting the port out that way when they get it. And I've been through four, three or four tunes that have done that so far. Uh, my champ is 62 and going back to the waterworks, focusing on the epic for now, coming up on the Drowned Treasury instance and soon to follow the Moria skirmishes to be unlocked, thankfully. My RK is idle, except for tailoring up rep items in the Three Pharaohs Crafting Hall. And, you know, I was sitting there the other day and uh, feeling sorry for him. But I'll talk a little bit more about that in a segment a little later. <coughs> My warden is idle. I want to make sure I forget everything I learned about his gambits before I move forward with him. And another Tokian news, I did want to note that uh, if you live in the Chicago area for this coming summer, once again, the Ravinia Concert Series, and Ravinia is kind of the outdoor festival um, festival site for summer music, where they kind of uplight the trees and people lay out picnics and uh, there's speakers all over so you can hear a performance coming from the theater, or you can get uh, seats in the theater themselves, but the lawn tickets are like $12 a person and people bring... Uh, it's a wonderful summer evening if you get a beautiful night out uh, with everyone kind of uh, laying out the tablecloths and the candles and candelabra and all that fun stuff. So Ravinia is once again doing, um, doing the featuring the Philharmonic, doing three straight nights of Lord of the Rings movies, August 18th, 19th, and 20th. They're doing Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and The Return of the King with screens facing the lawn audience so you can watch the movies while the live uh, orchestra is playing the um, the soundtrack in the background. And we have done this in years past, and it is a lot of fun, and it sounds great. And they even have a chorus, I think, for uh, you know for the Dwarven uh, chanting in Moria and things like that. So it's a lot of fun if you're in the Chicago area, or even if not, come and visit for August 18th, 19th, and 20th and make that part of your visit. You won't regret at least one night out at Ravinia. It's a fantastic, fantastic venue and a great time. 
And I think that's enough about what we've been doing in game. Let's move on to the fourth beacon of Everlast. So I'd like to premiere a new segment for Everlast this week since it's a flame above me inspiring me. Uh, to talk about underused or appreciated skills by class. And I may I may change the criteria as I see fit as I go from class to class. But uh, just to talk about some of the lesser used skills. I do hear people talk all the time about you know, getting their rotation down and using like five or six skills. And don't like having all the other ones you know, cluttering up their bars so they don't even slot them in some cases. I tend to use every skill I can get for a character. And I enjoy some of the most satisfying play I get is when I figure out... Um, interesting or cool uses for some of the skills which are not maybe as heavily used um, and would show a little bit more savvy class play. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to hit something from each trait line if possible. Uh, may even talk about a mounted, mounted combat skill if it's applicable uh, and maybe a favorite class item that I use uh, you know, or that I don't use for whatever reason. This week, just to make it easy, I'm going to talk about the Guardian. So, you know, the most fun you might have as a Guardian is hitting Guardian's Pledge with 15 mobs on you and watching the block, parry, and evade signs flow above you like smoke out of a chimney. Or hitting Challenge uh, in the middle of a fight scattered all over the place and seeing seven foes peel off of your allies from every direction and run directly to your location in a neat little bundle for your chap to blunder through. You know, what, I always wonder what what did I say exactly in order to uh, you know to challenge all those mobs to come to me? Uh, Yo, orc, your mama wears combat boots. Like that wouldn't be a compliment anyway. But um, there are a few skills that are a little lesser known um, that I, I always appreciate when I see other people using them appropriately. So one of them is shield wall for a guardian. Uh, shield wall is a situational skill where if you see another member of your fellowship in trouble, you can place it upon them. Uh, used to be you needed uh, a legacy trait on your LI to increase the range of your shield wall in order to be able to use it effectively because it was too short. And if you got far enough away from the person, it would it would wear off and go away. But um, now it's become a natural ability to have it uh, range out, I think, as far as uh, 15 or 20 meters. Uh, which is, you know, all you would need in most situations. And, you know, if I'm in a party and I'm keeping an eye on my own morale anyway, I do like to glance down the list of other, others in the fellowship. Um, after your first one or two trash mob fights in an instance, you should be able to tell which of the players are a little squishier or which have a play style which is going to invite them to, you know, live on the edge with morale. Usually it's either a champ or a hunter. Or uh, if your mini is going to get endangered by, you know, random aggro mobs or something that's coming from the back of the party or wherever the case may be. In most cases, you know, mini is the first one that you want to protect with a shield wall, but champ and hunters or RKs are also good candidates. And, uh, you know, I always love to flip the shield wall on. It takes all the damage that is hitting that individual and flows it to the guardian instead. Um, now, the, the person that's receiving the damage can't block, parry, or evade anything, but it's all being transmitted to the Guardian who is uh, able to mitigate it using his various resistances and mitigations and uh, you know just absorb the rest of it through his sheer morale build anyway. And uh, I love to see a skillfully displayed and deployed shield wall during combat. Um, you know, you've got enough things going on. It shows that you have good group awareness about some of the other things in your party and how important it is to keep uh, some of those folks up and make sure the damage is focused on you. Uh, sprint is another guardian skill. You know, I always hear people say, like, you know, I don't like wasting allies, you know, uh, class trade points on sprint skills. I use sprint. I use whatever tune I have. If it has a if it has a run buff, I use it all the time because it saves me the most important thing in this game, time. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff you have to do where you, it's inefficient to jump on and off your horse in between, and uh, you know, doing the distance in you know a fraction of the time, whether it's half or seventy percent or whatever the case may be, I just find remarkably efficient. And the guard has a very nice extended sprint skill when he's in red line. And if he uses it ahead of time, uh, before a fight, he builds up a buff that knocks down the first thing he hits after when he starts combat. 
and if he hits uh, if he hits his most um, targeted skill, which is usually a uh, sweeping cut, which can impact up to eight targets, he can knock down eight targets at the start of a fight for a good five six seconds. By that time, he's got three more AOE skills off, and his and his uh, and his uh, you know guard shield shield uh, protection up, and he's in good shape for the rest of the fight. So. Uh, one of the reasons you can tank as a red guard in a lot of cases is because you can build up that sprint knockdown. Um, and I believe, I have to look it up, but I believe in uh, blue line there's also another small buff that's associated with it as well. Guardian's Promise. <laughs> Probably the least used skill. People forget they have it. I forget they have it. That's when you get the chance to whittle an acorn. There's no other class that can whittle an acorn and give it away as a present. And when the other character clicks on that acorn, they summon the guard to their side. Uh, so whenever you need to join a group and they don't have a captain or they don't have um, a rally horn with them or a mustering horn, Whittle an acorn, send it to them in the mail, and as soon as they detach it, since you can get mail from anywhere now, they can summon you to directly where they are. It's very useful, and people forget about it all the time. Uh, number four, turn the tables is uh, maybe the most reliable FM starter in the game outside of being a burglar. And you can also do an FM start using another skill called smashing stab, although that one's a little more difficult because the, it has two precursor skills that you have to trigger in order for the smashing stab to um, to start an FM which is you know a little more a uh, little more involved and a little easier to uh, lose track of but turn the tables is the guard skill where you knock him down and he will uh, revive himself and knock the mob down instead and start a fellowship instance and I know people ignore FMs but um, still uh, turning a knockdown of yourself into a knockdown for your enemy is a huge turnabout and um, worth putting points in the trade tree typically to uh, minimize the CD for that skill, especially if you're out in the moors. It's one of the most valuable skills you can have in the moors. Uh, when you get pounced by a warg pack, it could save your life. And uh, lastly, Staggering Slash, which is... Uh, one of our mounted combat skills, uh, which in addition to pitiful damage, uh, only in melee range as the guard gets to enjoy, um, reduces it does reduce your foe's ability to hit someone by 20% for a good stretch of time. I think it's 10 or 15 seconds. So in group play or with a dangerous opponent that can really hit hard, um, you know, a 20% reduction in hit chance, you know, for 10 or 15 seconds is worthwhile doing. And if you're on your mount. You might want to hit your staggering slash, even if you're going to jump off and start melee after that. All right, I'm going to go over five, just because for funsies. Shield spike usage for the guard is one of the class items which I think is most useful for the guard. Um, a Norian shield spike kit will do additional plus 7% critical chance for any shield skills. Uh, plus, it will enable you to set your damage type of your shield to uh, you know, either Beleriand or Westerness or Ancient Dwarf, as the case may be. So there's added advantage in having a damage type attached to your shield. And believe it or not, the, the additional crit chance percentage, um, you know, guards don't have great DPS. Everyone knows that. Some of the best DPS they can do is when they're using their shield skills and they get crits. Um, you know, the biggest hit a guard can get is when he does, you know, the final chain of his shield uh, skills and, uh, you know, hits a big crit on that skill. And that can, you know, in blue line mode, that can actually hit, I think, uh, five targets at least. And for a crit, you can get upwards of, you know, 20 to 25k of damage uh, across each of those. You know, obviously it, it differs for each mob depending on how the RNG hits it. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, it's a minimum of 4 to 5k and as high as 20 to 25k. So I, I can hit, you know, one of the mobs for 20k, three of them for 10 to 15, and another one for 5. And, uh, you know, it increases your fortifications and uh, your aggro on all those targets simultaneously. And it's a powerful one. So in my experience, shield spikes really do enhance the damage of a guard and I'm starting to use them in all situations uh, even when I'm soloing on the landscape just to burn mobs quicker just to get through faster do anything you can 
<laughs> to help you burn mobs faster. And uh, shield spike usage, in my experience, is a pretty big differentiator for guard DPS. So I do encourage you to use them. Uh, lastly, number seven, honorable mention, summon tinker. Okay, we can't do that anymore. Gosh darn it. Uh, I guess you got to be a weapons uh, weapon crafter in order to uh, make those now, unfortunately. But that is my highlighted guard skills, underappreciated and or underused for this week. Let me know if you enjoyed that segment. I'll try to do it for the other classes over time as we go. And in the meantime, let's move on to our fifth beacon. Minrimon, and now the original weekly sponsor segment. This week, like the beacons, is brought to you by... A brand new merry-go-round attraction at Andoher's Folly. Wastes not, want not, I always say. And so the industrious rangers of North Athelion have built an exciting new must-see tourist stop at the most beautiful location in all of Daggerlad. Enjoy the bright and whimsical mounts you can ride in high style while taking in the breathtaking views of the Dead Marshes, Dolikarn, and the Black Gate, including Baby Mumax, Cargoulettes, Fellbirds, and everyone's favorite, Slag Slugs. Yes, it harkens back to the beautiful carousels of yesteryear, with the dulcet tones of the faint of screaming echoing under the big top. So hurry on down to Onto-Her's Folly today, and don't forget to bring your antibacterial hand wipes. We have reached the sixth beacon of Kalanhad, and have a special segment for this week, which I know I'm going to regret immediately. Uh, but I want to talk back to my poor Dwarf RK Taylor that I left in the Three Pharaohs Crafting Hall in Bree. And boy, he's spending a lot of time there lately. And as I logged him in every day to craft his uh, you know, Dagger Lad uh, Taylor rep item every single day and send it across the mail to one of my other characters, and sit there. So he logs in, he crafts, he mails, he logs out. He logs in, he mails, he crafts, he logs out. And it's such a plain, boring wooden bench sitting there in the craft hall. There's nothing on it, maybe a candle. And, you know, I, I picture him kind of like he's got one elbow up on the table, supporting you know, his chin in one hand. And he's staring wistfully off into the distance as these high level tunes run in and out to their raids and their exciting group RTs and their leveling, their essence gear and their cool loot and so forth. And, you know, I just feel badly for him. He's stuck here. He's going no place. And I think to myself, someday, you know, he's probably thinking, I'm going to shake the dust off this crappy crafting hall off of my boots and I'm going to go out and see the world. Uh, I want to go where the people are. And I imagine that as he's sitting there, there's a groundswell of music behind him, and this is what he sings. Look at this bench. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think that my crafting's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the alt? The alt who has everything. Look at this recipe, ingredients untold. How many components can my vault hold? Looking around here, you think, sure, he's got everything. I've got hides and leather aplenty. I've got bolts and sashes galore. You want Taylor's Guild patterns? I've got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. I want to be where the level caps are. I want to see, want to see them raiding, riding around on those, what do you call them? War steeds. Sitting in craft holes, you don't get too far. Class trait points are required for skirming and raiding. Strolling along down a, what's that instance again? Silent streets, up where they grind, up where they group, up where you cannot stand in the poop. Wandering free, not just a newbie, part of endgame. What would I give to pass through the gates of Moria? 
What would I pay to spend a day ganked in the moors? Betchet cap, I'd take no crap, and I'd worry not of epic story spoilers. Bright young dwarves, sick of knit scarves, ready for gear. And ready to know what an essence is. Ask advice channel questions and get back some trolling. What's an L.I. and what does it... What's the word? Suck. When's it my turn? I want to taste a picking flowers all day in the waste. Out of the craft hall. I bet I'd stand tall as part of Endgame. Past level 30, how about a BOV to be part of Endgame? Okay, you can take my man card now. I'm a dwarf anyway. Uh, I do have a bit of a cold and a scratchy throat that was tickling me as I tried to finish that off, so please be kind. Please be kind. And yes, I know there were at least two sections of the song where I went flat, but they don't call me one take brag for nothing. I don't edit. I don't go back. I don't redo. It's good enough. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it. And with that, I'm enjoying the fact that it's the last beacon of Halotherian. That means it's time for Blessed Relief. I'm officially putting a little ochre-colored bow on the 67th episode of LTB. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique, unless it has to do with my Disney parody singing. You can contact me at bragsonofvalon at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second stands for the alabaster skin of a china doll much like my compatriot Grima has here, and on Facebook or Twitter at Bragson of Balan, or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request more iTunes reviews. I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarf and apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective, specifically how your crafting alts all represent little mermaids out there in their little uh, lands under the sea. And uh, I do hope I will find a little Sebastian crab pet that can follow me around. I hope, most of all, you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time your big idea for the main story of your MMO podcast is to do a Little Mermaid song parody, don't despair. Light the beacons! Have a great week, everybody. Mm -hmm.